Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. If you just press play, you are missing out on 35 minutes of talking about kind of a myriad of things, but mostly DC as a... Under new management. (laughs) Under new management, management, consistent, not... I, I think it's not irrational to say a consistent failure in terms of not reaching the standard that DC clearly wants to be at in terms of compared to Marvel, compared to being successful. Um, and so we kind of talk about that. Yeah, we talk about the Hamada stepping down, which is pretty normal considering what's been going on. Um, not in terms of quality, but in terms of like, it's just it's just business. He's moving on. And then James Gunn stepping in. We talk about that. Kind of some expectations. I, I Dan talks more about like James Gunn and probably what that'll entail. I think I talk more about like the, the company uh, being profitable and like how like it's sort of weird but DC just doesn't seem to be as much of a like cultural geek touch point as Marvel and like that's clearly what they want to be uh, and then we kind of finalize with just how absurd it is that characters like Superman and Batman I mean it's Batman's still killing it but like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash all have like at Aquaman even it's taken forever for them to finally get movies that, that matter and even then like they're still pale in comparison to like Ant-Man and like other characters in the Marvel universe that are just essentially were D-listers now A-listers and so uh, yeah you get to tune into that for $3 a month if you support on Patreon and um, you get some other cool stuff too with uh, Patreon exclusive content that's always at the beginning of an episode and so you can just press play and kind of move on live your life um and uh yeah you'll hear about some other perks as you keep listening to the episode i kind of intersperse them every couple minutes so you'll hear them every 10 or so minutes um and uh yeah it's it's cool you help us reach some goals extra content all that jazz but we are here as you press play and heard a little bit to talk about black adam dan do you want to just kind of explain black adam briefly and then we'll just get into it sure um uh, back in 2007, um, <laughs> The Rock Johnson, uh, this is during his early period when he was trying to cross over into becoming kind of an action star, pre doing a lot of Disney family films, uh, was cast as the character Black Adam. And the project gestated in production for many, many years, uh, with the real shift being, of course, the uh, start of the DC universe, where they were trying to create like a shared continuity and universe of characters all inhabiting the same world so to speak and so initially black adam was slated to um i the, the details are a little sketchy i'm not sure if he's supposed to do villain or just appear in the first shazam film however the rock uh, uh petitioned for the character to get his own solo film first as the rock um is if anything he's a very savvy businessman like he's with priority number one is being sure that he himself uh becomes a big star i'm not saying there's a negative thing that's just kind of how he looks at things and so I think he saw the potential of turning Black Adam in kind of his own franchise player. So his likeness was utilized briefly in Shazam. Uh, and so he instead was given his own solo film. And so finally, after many, many delays, stops and starts 15 years after being cast as the character, we now have our live action Black Adam movie. And the film was directed by Jean Collet-Sera, who you may know as a director of several Liam Neeson action movies. He also directed The Shallows, which I enjoyed. And most importantly, he directed Jungle Cruise starring The Rock. Uh, The film is produced by uh, uh, The Rock and his ex-wife as part of Seven Bucks Productions, as well as, of course, DC. It has a lot of credited writers uh, and people at the helm, but don't don't get twisted. This is definitely a Dwayne The Rock Johnson show. This is The Rock's movie. The Rock plays uh, his self-insert OC character, Black Adam, who's just the coolest guy in the world. He is an unstoppable killing machine, but he's also got deep down a good heart. Uh, our premise is that way back in the vague ancient past, sort of, there is an evil king who's creating a crown made out of um, what is the stuff called? 
Unobtainium. <laughs> yes, my friend made Basically. the same joke in the theater. He like forgot the name of it. He was like, in, uh, "Unobtainium." <laughs> in Scooby Doo Two, uh, I didn't realize this, but it's just called Randomonium. There was, <laughs> and I was like, uh, the second I read that, I laughed because it's like it doesn't matter. It can be random. It's, it's a super important material, um, and there's making a crown for an evil king. However, a young child rises up against the tyranny of the king, uh, and he's given the powers of Shazam. Uh, much like you may saw in the previous film Shazam, and so he becomes the protector and champion of Kondok, and he fights the evil king. Fast forward to present day DC universe, and Intergang, which is a nice detail, has taken over Kondok. Uh, however, a group of um, people, freedom fighters, are they archaeologists? I don't know. They find they know where the crown is. Yeah. So I, was, I think <laughs> it was that there are people who believe in the legend what- of the champion. And the the invaders on the land, the people you just named, I don't remember their name. Intergang. Intergang is there searching for this thing. And the our our human heroes are pretty sure they know uh, where it is, so they want to get to it first. That's kind of the setup. Yeah, so basic setup. And in the process, they release Black Adam to the world, and he just instantly kills all of Intergang people there. And what is admittedly a cool scene. Yes. Um, Ever, this disrupts the status quo. So Amanda Waller, who is really making a lot of money. Viola Davis has got a great career just doing Zoom calls into other projects now. Uh, had a similar cameo in the Peacemaker show. And and I just want to say, is the exact same scene as the first Suicide Squad movie. I don't I literally leaned into Kat and was like, this is this it's the same thing. She's doing the same thing where they're just like, how about this character? Uh yes, this is what they do. How about that character? Yes, that is also what they do. <laughs> well, this is a what's interesting is that uh and as opposed to disposing the suicide squad to stop Black Adam, um, she just uh sends out the JSA, the Justice Society. Uh, I actually don't think they call them the JSA, I think they're just called the Justice Society here. Um, which is interesting. It's an interesting twist on it where they're like a state government approved version of the Justice League kind of. Yeah. Um, where they have Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Cyclone, and Adam Smasher, whose dad is Henry Winkler for some reason. Yeah. Um, and, okay. they, and they just they're just sent out to stop Black Adam because he's causing a ruckus. And however, the people of Conduct love Black Adam. And then they fight, and then it turns out they need to team up to stop a greater evil. You know how this goes. Um, from here, the formula kind of takes over. Um, the plot is kind of secondary to just seeing cool characters do cool stuff. A uh, clear fan favorite. And well, the character I was most looking forward to is Pierce Brosnan's portrayal of Dr. Frank. Uh, Dr. Frank. Dr. Fate. <laughs> he is a yeah. uh, Kent Nelson. He is a great character. Uh, Dr. Fate's really cool. And so I think he does the character justice. Uh, Brosnan, if he is not playing this character like with a wink and a nudge, he's just doing a great Dr. Fate. Hawkman is really cool in this, and Cyclone Ab Smasher are also there. Um, there is some interesting stuff with some, they get into some mild geopolitical stuff and then they immediately drop it. Intergang is there and then they're gone. Uh, none of that's important because you get to see Black Adam, who just with no remorse just murders people constantly. And that's it, sounds simple and silly. But it's oddly engaging just watching this guy who does not care about superhero rules at all. He butts heads. He fights with Hawkman. Then they fight a, as a standard for these types of movies, a very underwhelming, uninteresting villain. Uh, there's some cool stuff that happens for like five seconds and it's forgotten about. Uh, your enjoyment of this film will be directly proportional to how much you just enjoy watching Um pretty well done action sequences and they are violent and they are visceral. Yes. The original cut of the movie was rated R and they just had to edit it down multiple times to get to the PG 13 rating. Wow. That's interesting. I wonder, cause I think it was the, the kills. I think it's the, the types of kills like the end kill of this movie's spoilers. He rips a guy in half basically. Oh yeah. Uh, but so, they, it was like lava. So it was like, I, I, they must've cool. had blood or guts or something or some, or, or there's just scenes that were just cut entirely. Who knows? Um, and that stuff is cool. They do. I will say one thing that the DC universe does really well compared to Marvel is I think they do a decent job of really establishing how different people's superpowers are better or worse than other people's powers. And so Black Adam's power set is he just has Superman's powers plus he shoots lightning. Um, it's. I thought the first half is actually pretty engaging, and then it just sort of settles into just being a pretty standard superhero action movie. This is the first superhero movie I've seen that made me feel like I was just watching like an 80s action film 
in kind of the good and bad sense of that, where you're just here to watch your particular action star dispose of a bunch of faceless villains and you just skip through the talking scenes to get to the action scenes. Black Adam lands right in the dead center of the DC universe for me in terms of quality. It's not as good as the good movies, but it's far better than the bad ones. You know, I like The Rock and I'm looking forward to what comes next. I actually do want to see more of this character and I really like the Justice Society here and it does set up some interesting stuff for the future. However, that doesn't make the actual act of watching the movie any better for me. Uh, this is a solid C for me, right right dead center. It's okay. Uh, on the one hand, the, I do think we're seeing theaters just because the action on the big screen is so enjoyable. On the other hand, I don't know if I'd want to pay $15 to see it again, but it also won't be as good at home because it is a big spectacle movie. So yeah, it's all right in the right in the dead center for me here. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Hey, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to... expand cinematic doctrine. You know this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. Uh, Melvin, what did you think of Black Adam? Uh, Like you, I also thought the first half was fun and engaging. I liked that the trailer kind of made it seem like the big fight with the Justice Society was at the end, just because most trailers do that. If it's big spectacle stuff, that's usually the ending. But no, that was like just the first act. And uh, I read some interviews with Dwayne, Mr. Rock Johnson. Um, and he uh, he specifically said, like, it's cute because he definitely likes the character. But he really, like, uh, was interested to hear how people reacted to the idea that he's, like, a quote-unquote supervillain. But he's not because he's actually just the hero of a particular place that has more or less yes. been abandoned yes. by like NATO and like superheroes, stuff like that. That's, that's all interesting and cool. And I enjoyed all that. It's very heavy handed, but it's like still enjoyable. And I actually thought a lot of stuff like that was pretty good as the justice society is trying to stop him and kind of causing a decent amount of collateral damage. In fact, I wonder if it rated our cut was like <laughs> collateral violence. Like that would have been kind of interesting. Yeah. This there's a lot of subtle things that if they kept pursuing them would have really ele- elevated the movie. In, in addition to the fact that then later on it kind of just mentions and makes a joke about the collateral damage which i didn't need yeah Um, yeah. but like i get it like they're you know i made a joke in the last episode the halloween one that like i went to the bank and a person asked oh in the new halloween does he kill his brother so like look people are not keeping up with trailers let alone movies sometimes they need the movie to really spell it out to them that collateral damage is a thing in drone strikes sometimes they don't hit their targets and so um i get it uh but and and when you're making a big budget flick like this, you're trying to hit the lowest common denominator to get the highest budget denominator. I don't know. Um, all that to say is that I understand, but I like that first half stuff. I liked uh, when the when, when the Rock. It's just the Rock. Um, I liked when Black Adam comes out of his like stasis prison thing, and I like. I actually liked how 
The Rock interpreted being like confused and seeing a new yes. world. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really enjoyed all that. I like the slow. I there have been criticisms about the slow motion throughout the movie. I liked it. I think slow motion inherently is kind of cool because it doesn't exist in reality, and so it's already a benefit. It's like if you want to make your movie look more like a movie, slow motion helps that. And it wasn't just slow motion for slow motion's sake. Like for the most time part, for the most part, they used it in ways that were pretty neat. Explosions, clever power jokes about him. Like he, someone throws a grenade and he can like take it, like put it in a guy's mouth, like silly stuff like that. Um, and uh, later on, like he has a fight and like first it's like not rain, but like he's in like an underwater prison cell that has water everywhere. I don't know why it just looks cool. So it looks neat when it's in slow motion and like all that stuff is cool. Um, so to me that, that benefited the film. I actually quite liked all that. And so there's some style, there's some character stuff. That's pretty good. I don't like fish out of water stories. I like when they're serious. So like the first time watching stranger things, I wasn't into the 11 character, but now I actually really like the 11 character because I've come to like fish out of water when it's serious. And so that's why I like, when black Adam comes out and he's being kind of like fish out of water, but I got to fight. And so it's like just walking through walls, doesn't know what yeah, doors are, but that's, that's like kind of silly to me, especially when it's like, of course we have doors. They're like, I don't know. It's just like, that's like dumb, uh, dumb humor. And that was pretty bad. Um, yeah, it's, it's, but it is something where like, because the violence is so fun and his power level so high that like I was just eager to see the fights. And I kind of thought like, yep. since like the WWE is so freaking confusing to figure out how to watch it <laughs> on Peacock, I was like, well, at least I get to f- watch the rock fight people in this movie. So like, there's like a scene where like a kid's running away from some bad guys in like a, ho- in an apartment. And I was just excited. And that kid makes the stupidest decisions twice. And I saw one of the criticisms <laughs> online was that, uh, the kid is like the most, I don't know, algorithmically decided what is cool kind of character. Uh, I got a lot of like um, Spider Amazing Spider-Man 1 vibes with his character being like, what if Peter Parker was cool and skateboarded and did art? And it's like, no, he's supposed to be a geek. <laughs> like, he, uh, Yeah. Well, this kid, like on the one hand, he's borderline like a freedom fighter at one scene. And the next scene, he's like gets caught in a building twice. Yeah. It's very like he... He's very he very much is a character that exists to push the plot forward. You know? Yeah, he's very lame. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and that freedom fight subplot was pretty bad. But um, <laughs> and it, like I got it with the aesthetic, but we didn't need it at all. I, we'll talk about it when we get to it. But the whole end of this movie is so, such a like massive letdown in so many it's ways. It's crazy. The ending is insane. <laughs> um, I got some good laughs out of it because I was laughing at the movie. Although one of the jokes in the ending was funny. There's a character who dr fate tells him like how he'll die yeah yeah, yeah and it's like you'll die by electricity and he's like but i work with electricity <laughs> he's but then he interprets that as it's okay i can do whatever i want because i die by electricity <laughs> so i thought that was pretty funny um in a darker but, <laughs> edit of the movie the end of the movie would be black adam accidentally shooting him uh yeah i was just in my brain yeah. i was just thinking about that um yeah but and maybe in the future that's what it'll be like he turns out to be a bad guy which would be kind of weird but um or Black Adam goes evil, like actually evil or regrettably well, bad. But they keep saying that they're leading up to a movie where he fights Superman. So and why not? Like he's got to do something. But yeah, I'm, I'm not. They kind of set it up that like it could be because Black Adam leaves his territory, which I don't think is like fair. Like I don't <laughs> like like if Black Adam becomes who we stand, then I'm fine with that. Especially with Henry Cavill's interpret not the the scripts that interpret Spo- spoilers. His, mid credit scene, Henry Cavill Superman comes back. Don't worry, we'll talk about which, it. Which to me, I do not care about. Like it's just so lame. I people clapping, get out of here. You just. Put your action figures away. Just get out of here. This is so lame. But um, yeah, as you can hear in my response, like there's stuff I like about the movie and it was pretty fun. But even as I was leaving, like I just became sour about the film because it feels like a movie that I'm already tired of seeing. Like phase four Marvel has been interesting because it's been so bizarre and strange at times, except for like bad endings. Um but like we had a horror movie that was kind of fun and we had like Moon Knight, which was kind of trippy, not not trippy enough, but trippy and kind of just weird. Miss um, Marvel was just a, basically like a fun teen show with some hero stuff and uh, and then gets a little serious. It's a cool coming of age kind of narrative. 
And then also just one episode that's just like a Bollywood romance, which I thought was great. Um, She-Hulk was really fun because it's just a serial until the ending and it just kind of gets weird. You'll probably hear about our thoughts on that later this month. Um, And yeah, it's just to kind of watch Black Adam and be like, they they did it. They they made a Marvel movie. <laughs> like it feels like a Marvel movie, um, almost through and through. Where it has a bit of a serious slant while also having fun fights, and then a disappointing ending. I don't know. Like it's just it is what it is. You may not know this, but the easiest way you can show your support for Cinematic Doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. Even down to like, I, I said in our Patreon thing that like one of the benefits that I learned from a YouTube video, um, from a video essay, we just um, cross my heart and uh, kind of like do a Hail Mary to forgive my sin of talking about video essays. But like the the fact that it's like the at least the earlier movies had the infinity stones to like give you a through line and see how they affected people like i like that at least in this movie the through line was like well how did the magicians who gave Shazam his powers just kind of affect a different time period that was cool uh and that's the kind of all i need to connect these worlds and i didn't need much more um i yeah it's like i i'm pretty middling about this movie but i didn't not like it i i really enjoyed watching it in theaters the violence is cheerworthy there's like a really cool kill where like it's basically there's like bikes that blink and they fly and like blink so it's a video game term you press a button and your character kind of teleports but only a short distance and these bikes are used to escape black adam stuff like that jump through buildings pretty cool and like black adam specifically after learning how the blink works takes a guy and throws him off the bike but then has the bike blink into where the guy goes <laughs> which got some great cheers out of me it's so like that was cool that was yeah cool. there's just like fun silly the stuff you you've come to enjoy about like michael myers or Friday, uh, Friday the 13th or especially um, with uh, Freddy Krueger where they're like kind of creative fun ways of like beating your enemy um, and uh, yes yeah, so it's it's a middling film for me but it's not bad and I don't think it's like um, I, I don't know like I would be fine if DC did more stuff like this where at least there's more connected tissue and like I, like I said before I think Shazam is probably the strongest one and could have been their first movie. Shazam could have been their equivalent of Iron Man. But at this point, Shazam 2 is coming out like six years later. And everyone looks old and just crusty. Man, and not just the kids. Like, I was shocked. I know. That... Zachary Levi. I hope he's yeah. okay. Like, I don't know if he's just older or something. But like, yeah, he. it's it's weird. I, I'm not sure what's going on. But um, who knows? But also, what's the point of even caring about where these are going? That everything's changing like every two years. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, it's just like, so in that respect, it kind of sours it even more. Like, what am I supposed to be excited for? Why are you, it's like a Hannibal Burris. Why are you booing me? I'm right. Like, stop clapping. Like, who cares if Superman showed up? Henry Cavill might not well, be here. He might go yeah, to jail. I, <laughs> like, maybe he's going to commit crimes. I don't know. What's I will the say point? That, so part of why there's a particular strong subset of fans who are excited that Henry Cavill's back is they were expressly told he wasn't coming back, uh, partially because the previous um, pe- previous people in charge of the DC universe wanted to move away from the Snyder film as much as possible, and so that included uh, trying to like disassociate from particular characters he was he was associated with. And this in turn, this includes Henry Cavill's version of Superman. Do you think that's why they made his hair so swoopy in this? <laughs> like, just to be like, ah, you know, he's a nice Superman because he puts hair gel. In. I don't know. Well, so part of it is that the rock he does look good. <laughs> I don't know how much of this the rock can take credit for. It might just be him trying to take credit for it. But according to him, um, for the record, they have the same agent, Henry Cavill and the rock. So they, they yeah, are friendly. Yeah. Um, and so he specifically wanted Henry Cavill to come back to Superman According to him, he was told he could not come back. But then when Zaslav came in, um, they were given the okay because, you know, they just want a Superman in theaters and they're fast tracking the production of a new Superman film with Henry Cavill. And um, say what you will about the previous Superman films. I think this is the smarter call. Yes, Uh, I do agree on that, too. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy that like for now we're coming up on 10 years 
he has been the theatrical Superman. Love him or hate him, uh, whether however you feel about whichever movies he's in, this is the guy that when people say Superman, he's what comes to mind for most people. And I, I agree. Like I've seen Superman Lois, the show. It's very charming and cool. I like Brandon Routh and the fact he's been able to come back as a character various times because of, you know, Christ just, and Earth, et cetera. Bring, bring back Dean Cain. <laughs> <laughs> I, cool. I would not mind like a weird, like a Superman yeah. type story or something, but if they continued the Snyder thing up to final crisis, they technically could do that. Since like, I think dark side like takes every Superman, including the Shazams and puts them like in a, alternate world i can't remember the plot is it of that. battle worlds what is it called i don't remember but final um, crisis is ridiculous it sucks but but uh so yeah i there there are a couple things in this movie that i think are not just good they're actually interesting and so like the whole thing where when J the justice society shows up people are like where have you guys been for the past like 30 years yes, <laughs> intergay yeah. has been running this country and like so now you want to come when we have a, a hero who will liberate us that's when you want to come in here and start punching it's, things up it's very much weapons of mass destruction they've got weapons of mass destruction over there we've got to invade it's, or something like and that i don't it's, know if they back down because they realize they're getting into some actual like political topics that maybe they're they aren't ready to make a movie about um but it's genuinely interesting and they portray the just society as well-meaning but kind of buffoons atom smashers just breaking buildings yeah and like they had they take the time to show people screaming and running away from the so-called superheroes um hey there's something going on here there's a good point and i like the premise of they've unearthed who they think is their savior but that he does not know like it he actually isn't superman he's just a guy who has these powers and they actually do kind of have a plot twist sort of near the end. Yeah, I thought it was good. I, I liked it. I just think it takes a little long to get there. It does take a while <laughs> to get there. And then it doesn't but, have that much of a bearing on the story in the end, no. but it's still an interesting wrinkle in the story. And then, so that's kind of interesting. It's and an then, interesting wrinkle on the concept of mythology and yeah. the like mythology, mytho- mythologizing of like history um, which I, I enjoy cause like, I don't even know what I had for dinner last night. What, what did I have? So how do I know? Like, how can we be really, really confident about like history and historical records sometimes? Like it's, it's hard to keep up with this stuff, let alone what's happened last week or the week before. So like the concept of a hero who may not have actually been accurate is like, that's cool. I, I like that. I think it, that's yeah, it, a fun idea. It, some of this stuff is like, there's a particular thing as we get close to the end that they just kind of sweep under the rug. Um, but that's interesting. So you have a couple interesting elements here. And then for those who are not aware, intergang in the comics, they're led by Malcolm Mannheim. And what's interesting about them is if you noticed, if you ask yourself, Hey, why do they have like future space tech randomly? It's because in the comics, they're secretly working with dark side. He is supplying them with materials from his planet because he plans on using them as an entrance into earth to conquer earth. And he double crosses intergang in the end. Uh, so that's like a neat little detail. Like, I like that. Like, we just need a bad guy corporation that nerds can point to continuity stuff when they're intergang, you know, because it doesn't really matter in the story who the bad guys are because they just need people for the rock to punch up. My my brain just interpreted it as like how the Godzilla Monsterverse movies have developed where like the first one's pretty grounded. Kong Skull Island's kind of pulpy but still grounded <laughs> then by the end of like a future society they're fighting robots and, and they're like, like going like yeah, yeah into the earth that's kind of thing yeah there's so like my a hollow earth like, <laughs> there's a magic spear or something yeah. that king kong needs yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what a good movie that's yeah, so good. what a good movie <laughs> yeah, that movie was a lot of fun that uh, was a blast at theaters I, I can't wait for the next one whenever i don't even it's gonna be next one i don't know yeah, but like well, it's gotta be more l- little did you know melvin there actually is an in-universe explanation for why they have these things and then as the movie goes on they become friends with the just society intergang just kind of leaves the movie at a certain point became obliterated it's great it's good <laughs> um, stuff it's yeah like i, I get that we're to, like, i guess in that one explosion they'll die but like all of them what happened to everyone like but anyway um and then like all the political stuff just gets dropped at a certain point they just after like that scene they just stopped talking about it and so that is kind of a bummer it's because it's a very i don't know if you knew this daniel but this is a very religious movie because when you get past the politics what you see <laughs> is that humanity is sinful and the yeah. real enemy is sin and satan that's why we have to end the movie with a fight that's why we basically have Satan. <laughs> so 
Yeah, I, just it was this, so this, funny, man. <laughs> so the main the main bad guy oh, is great. a guy who comes from the line, the lineage of the king that in the legend the rock kills. That was also something I liked. Is there's a lot of um, a lot of characters. Part of their motivation has to do with lineage and heritage, and it was both cultural and family wise. And I did like that a lot of characters that was like a big thing for them. Like even yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the heroes, it was stuff that, oh, yeah, duh, the the, the growing one. <laughs> Adam Noah Centennial, which, man, I wish he had more in this because you can see him just doing well, just chewing up scenery. Like he is a very active performer. And yet, like, all he gets is like four scenes in this movie and then a CG performance. But I digress. Like a lot he's, of. He, for those who don't remember, he's one of the boys that the girl loved before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the description that we all know him for. He's a yeah. he's a good teen rom coms, and he's consistently the best performer in most of those. Although Lana Condor is really good against him, and, and to all the boys. But um, yes, there's I I like that a lot of characters and themes and the development of all that was lineage and heritage and family, family in a way that's not like Vin Diesel. So maybe you know The Rock was actually kind of getting at Vin Diesel with that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's all about family. I just I like that. I forgot to mention it, but. Enjoying this episode? Grab that share link and tell your friends. Word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners, so don't be shy. Share the episode wherever you can. There's yeah, again, there's nice details here, but um, they don't. I just feel like not all of them ever pay off in any way. So um, it's also revealed that the Rock, his son, was the actual person who started the rebellion, um, and then. He so like the beginning of the movie we were shown a flashback and then we revealed that the flashback is wrong, which kind of goes what we we're talking about where. Well, what's confusing is the trailers advertise separate something else. Then the flashback in the beginning is different from what we're told in the trailer. So if you listen to the episode, you already, we talked about spoilers. the trailer is like I was a uh, what was it? I was a slave before I died. And then my son. Which I don't remember that line being even the movie. Oh, I didn't see. I really didn't watch any trailers for the movie. So it was just playing at every movie I went to see, like in theaters, uh, pretty much. But like it was like I was a slave before I died. The I was getting revenge for my son who they killed, and then like the opening of the movie is like my son was saved by. No, it was like there was a kid who became a hero. He before he got killed, he became a like it was taken by the magicians to become Shazam. So then you're like, oh, okay, so the kid's him. But even though in the movie, in the beginning, it's clear like Dwayne's the dad. And like you, you remember the trailer. So you're like, I'm not sure what, how is this going to pay off? And then, yeah, then it changes. It's just, it was really confusing. You want to talk about Halloween ends being disappointing because of the trailer. Like this uh. was really confusing to me. So I had to really stop remembering the trailer while watching the film because I kept thinking about it. But what the movie does, if you haven't seen the trailer, I think is good i'm sorry you want you were explaining the um yeah how it happens so though. he gives himself up he gets taken to the suicide squad base where uh jennifer i think her name's holland she's uh now congratulations to her here and she and james gunn got married recently um she's in suicide squad and peacemaker she's there and they put him in like a cryostasis thing like in dragon ball and um but then so like the jsa has to still stop main bad guy because in a sequence that's very brief and i wish more of the movie had stuff like this in it the villain puts the hell yeah the villain gets the crown he gets blown up with it goes to hell seven demons give him their powers to turn him into the devil basically i was curious if that was part of so you you mentioning the r the the history of this r-rated movie becoming pg-13 it's very stay alive if you think about it <laughs> yeah or um event horizon uh, no no movie has the history of stay alive yeah um <laughs> <laughs> cinematic hallmark stay alive <laughs> well just the the amount of changes on stay alive yes, it's crazy yeah. I, I apparently it's lost all of its loss yeah like what's up with that I, ca- I can't wait for that to be found somehow um it's gotta be gotta be found but um yeah, that scene is so dark visually, not not aesthetically, just dark. Like you can barely see the hell world and separate the demons from the rest of it that I was wondering because I know the MPAA before has hated demons to the point where like Constantine gets rated R, even though it's a PG-13 movie, just because it depicts hell. Yeah. And it, it's also an international things. Different countries are more sensitive about demons and the devil and stuff, too. Yeah. And so like I was I was curious why it was so dark because, yeah, those visuals look pretty neat. 
And like, I don't know, you can make it look like Doom, the the new games where it's just like kind of orangey, deserty. Like, I don't know, but I digress. Like, yeah, that scene was pretty cool. It's there for like two seconds. The confusing part is it's super dark and also it's upside down. <laughs> so if you try and have your brain it's process the opposite that. of what happened to Shazam. You know? <laughs> oh, um, okay. Yeah. And so like he becomes like a devil creature with a pentagram like carved into his chest. Which is cool. It's cool. I can see why he's not in any of the marketing for the movie. He is shown in the trailer coming out of the water, but it's from behind. And so you, uh, as an audience okay. for the trailer, you're like, oh, okay, big bad guy cool <laughs> so watching the movie you're like when does he show up <laughs> but oh, yeah and yeah. uh the just study goes dr fate because he sees the future he knows people's fate he sees that there's only one way that they're gonna win so he decides to take him on on his own and you know they show some cool dr fate powers while he simultaneously astral projects and gives a pep talk to the rock um and i actually like this sequence where he convinces him to come out of his sleep and he breaks out it's like i think it's the better of the slow-mo sequences uh, cool. Dr. Fate gives his life, um, which bothered my friend who was in the movie with because he's like, there's like a hundred things to get done where he didn't have yes, to die. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, which, yeah, it, he dies because this is the point in the movie where someone needs to heroically sacrifice himself. And Pierce Brosnan doesn't want to stick around in the DC universe I mean, much longer. So yeah, I don't, I don't blame Kent, him. It, there's ways you can bring him back. The Helmet of Fate and Nabu um, in the comics, multiple people have the Helmet of Fate. So they can still keep the Dr. Fate character around just with a different uh, person wearing the helmet. Do you think if the movie was rated R before that he smoked a cigarette or cigar when um, so Black Adam tries to kill some people and Hawkman gets mad. So they fight in an apartment. And what is a fun action sequence? Yeah. And then Dr. Fate sits down and then it (laughs) pops a mint in his mouth. Like, and I was like, man, this is like the fourth movie where I've seen like a scene like this where a character sits down and puts a mint in their mouth or something. And I was like, I think that's like the pr- replacement of like, all right, well, I'm going to be here Lighting for a bit. A guess I'll light a, a cigarette or a cigar. Yeah. Um, or a nice pipe. I see music videos that like have from, from like musicians that are, that are clearly for like, like int- have young demographics and they have like drinking and alcohol and cigars and cigarettes in them. So I don't know why, like why are movies still behind on this? Like, uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm not smoking gonna say is smoking is cool. so cinematic though. So smoking is cool in movies. Yeah. It's only cool in movies. And I have experience. You want to know why? Because for some reason somebody lit a cigarette in our theater while we watched Black Adam. <laughs> and like you could just smell it and it was just vile. It it burned my nose. I would have like, complained about that. I was like, I, I've been very upset with my last few screens I've been to. Um but and part of why I see Dolby is because the price tag omits like bad screens because no one's going to spend 26 bucks to talk over each other talk over the movie you've spent 26 dollars to go see that movie because you're going to watch the movie so i don't know what this guy was thinking but all that to say is like it seemed like just lame i don't know i i think smoking is super cool in movies not in real life i think it's a little expensive (laughs) i like a hookah pipe every now and then i haven't done it for like a couple years because covid but um all that, yeah. I now that every time you every every time we're talking about scenes now, I'm thinking like, what's the R equivalent at this point? Like, like he rips the guy's arm off. What is there like bones or something? Like he threw that one guy into the <laughs> Five ground. Five minutes of a guy just screaming on the ground. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. Yeah. Like, but I digress. Um, you you were kind of explaining though that the twist though, where like the kid gave his powers to Black yeah. Adam. So the yeah. kid um turns out the kid is the one who initially got the powers. And the rock was his dad. And then, but his dad is dying. So the kid gives him his powers to save him. But right when it happens, he gets struck by an arrow and a kid dies on screen. Yeah. And it's intense. And the rock in a rage goes and he destroys the king. And lots of innocent people die because his anger grew so great that it caused a giant explosion. Which there's a line later where someone talks about the king dying and he says, like, uh, he said it's some kind of line that implied that the king died in a very painful manner or that his neck snapped really easy or something. Yeah, yeah. But in the scene, the flashback, he just kind of gets so mad he explodes and people like die. So I was, now that you said the R-rated thing, I'm like, did he like, did we get like a gruesome scene where he like, <laughs> just like rip this guy's head know, off or something? Yeah. That would have been awesome. And so I it's don't like, know. you were not held there by the, you know, we found you, that was your prison. You know, that those kinds of lines are said. 
Um, but so he decides to be a hero. So he goes to fight the devil basically and teams up with Hawkman and Cyclone and, and Adam Smasher. And while this is happening, the devil raises the raises the armies of hell to fight the land. But the little skateboard cool kid throws up, throws up the Jay-Z sign and gets everyone to, 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 to cause a rebellion. What's the attack in um, Dragon Ball that uh, Trunks does? That's what the symbol was. I uh, forget what it's called. The, from a wrestling fan, the, the DDP thing. diamond cutter sign. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> what, so, other, what other things does it represent? <laughs> 303. Panos Cosmato's favorite shape. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's, the, it's the triangle shape for those of you who haven't picked up yet. Um, yes. But, so the people decide to fight the armies of hell and the armies of hell are just a bunch of skeleton dudes like Jason and the Archons. Very, yeah. uh, very disappointing. You're expecting like dragons and, and you know, like, like hell beasts and different types of demons and maybe some like all-star team of like, you can get some DC like demon characters in there. Etrigan the demon shows up, you know, Lucifer Morningstar, who knows who could show up. It's just skeletons. And it's just there for no reason. And it and it pads out the ending for like 10 minutes. Like when you see all the scenes together, it's probably eight to ten minutes. But also there's very little interaction between the people. There's still overlap between this and the story. Like you yeah. can cut this whole thing. It doesn't matter. It just gives the character something to do. So Adam Smasher and Cyclone are helping the people fight the skeleton dudes. And uh, the rock <laughs> rips the dude in half, like down the middle, which is cool, like, which is which is a neat visual. He I've seen a in- lot of that in PG-13 movies, by the way. I, I'm trying to remember the other one. And then there was um uh, that one movie I recommended like last year as a horror movie. Oh, man. Oh, Polaroid. Pol- There's like a kill in Polaroid where like the monster shows up and like rips a person in half. But it's close enough that it's out of focus, so you don't see any like guts or innards. But it's like, hey, that was great. Like I wasn't expecting that at all. But I guess like if you do it with some flair and no blood, like people are chill about it. I, I, I don't know. It's it pop. I pop for that anyway, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, I don't know. It was cool. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> Rock sits in the throne. Ties ill-fitting, breaks the throne. He's a hero of conduct. Um, and then there's credit scene where amanda waller's like all right everyone gets one sends but, a drone yeah yeah and uh mm. but you know if you step outside conduct you know we'll be mad and he's like oh, no one on earth can stop me and she's like i can make a phone call and uh, henry cavill shows up and uh people in my theater cheered and screamed and they have it's no shadow the hedgehog uh, they say they say words to each other i couldn't really make it out but it's basically like you know, oh, we, need to talk. we have a lot to talk about. You know, it's the it's the Morbius <laughs> vulture conversation, basically. Um, I'm listening. It's so name. And, uh, you know, for the like I said, for the fans, it's 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 a genuine surprise. They initially shot the scene without Cavill because at the time when they started production, they didn't have the rights to. Well, they had the rights, but they weren't sure if Cavill was coming back or not. So, I mean, in that regard, it's neat. As an actual like scene, it's pretty standard. Like nothing particularly interesting happens. It just lets you know that Henry Cavill is back, Superman. Hey there, listener. Want to influence the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for $3 a month. In doing so, you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month. So jump on over there and have your voice heard. So there's some interesting stuff in there, but it's all just like disappears halfway through the movie to become a standard. We have to team up to fight a big bad guy. He's going to destroy the earth if we don't stop him. Like standard stakes, uh, very very underwhelming, boring villain. Um, the Rock, I will say, like he gives a performance here. I like his like. There's something happening there. Like he clearly loves his character, and um, it's always interesting when you get like actors who just love a character for whatever reason. Yes. Um, sometimes there's something about the character they connect with. Sometimes they see this as a character that they could really make something out of. And sometimes it's kind of both. Um, you, I, it's also, also when you see like action stars tend to gravitate towards um, introspective, cool guys who will do what's necessary, do what's right. They're willing to kill. Is um, Riddick the, like that too? Yes. I was okay. going to say like it's very yeah. similar to the Riddick character. Um Vin or Diesel even John Bernthal really loves playing the Punisher. Um, you know, every character Liam Neeson and Clint Eastwood played during particular part, parts of their careers, the man with no name. Um, 
And so like this definitely is that character for the rock. Like he sees this as an avatar for, you know, his kind of, you know, his things he's interested in. And there is something interesting about that. Like I do like when an A-list actor who could do whatever they want, they could be in any project, just gravitates towards a particular thing because it tickles their fancy, you know, it, whether it lines up with their particular tastes or it's a character that they like to be in, uh, 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 you know, that's, there's, I don't know. There's something there. It's, it's, it's something it elevates the project a bit. Cause you can yes. see that the people involved actually care about what they're making. And I do get that sense with the rock playing black Adam. And, um, but you know, like, unfortunately they just don't do much with them. This is very much an introducing the character kind of movie. I would like to see this character actually presented with a real moral quandary of some kind where here, it seemed like the battle was very internal and he was somewhat conflicted, but it's more conflicted about just whether or not to be a hero. And he sort of makes that decision to be a hero for these people. Uh, very Dr. Doom in Latvia kind of thing. But um, I would like to see the character have more to do in the future. But as it stands, this was a very standard action movie that just happens to have a superhero kind of uh, sheen over it. There's not. It's interesting. Like, I think also what's kind of disappointing for a lot of people is there's not much to talk about with Black Adam. I think people really, really, thanks to Marvel, uh, expect to have a whole lot to chew on and kind of explore. But thanks also to Marvel, um, people are so inundated with superhero stuff that like, sorry, Black Adam, but Marvel had like six projects before you showed up. Like, we're, we're kind of tired. Um, the energy's kind of spent, which is kind of how I'm feeling even in this episode, where it's like, and that's not just because this is the second episode we're recording today, but like, um, there's just something like about it that's just tiresome. I I saw a video from Escapist Darren Mooney. He actually felt this was worse than Morbius because he just felt like it's so recycled. <laughs> Whoa! I know. <laughs> Whoa! I know. He, his his argument was just because it was so recycled. It was so characterless. It was like nonsensical. Like why are there's a new bad guy with the basically the same powers as Superman and you're going to send two children to go fight him. <laughs> like when, um, cause, cause the movie already sets up that there can be violence. Um, and it can be like, and I don't mean like punching and kicking. I mean like people getting ripped apart or something like, like the creative violence of like a slow motion grenade in mouth kind of thing, which wasn't graphic. It's just implication. It's fun. Like people getting obliterated when he shoots the lightning. That, that was cool, <laughs> kind of fun. But like, so like when Adam Smasher crushes him with his fist, I was expecting like Black Adam to just fly through his arm and like come out his shoulder or something. But like crazy stuff like that, like the boys almost. That would have been um, nuts if he had like actually killed Justice Society members. But I thought of that. I was like, I could see this happening where like if that develops and like, and why not? Right. Like, like that would have been an interesting thing because like the Justice Society, and I didn't mention this mu- much, but like a subtle again, like I don't know if subtle is the right word, but like interesting they do is that when they're introduced and in their early interactions, they're a more typical superhero team. They're telling jokes. They're laughing. They're making zingers about the like, whoops, sorry about that. If they're yeah. like causing horrible damage, I'm like, hey, this is actually kind of effective satire. I would like it if if that's intentional. Like I'd like it if they did more of that or if it ends with like black adam just like murders them like two of them are teenage right. superheroes and he, in that way like know. the whole like fighting against invaders or even bl- if you want to have obvious dialogue black adam towards the end they could yell at him like you killed us you killed the kids you can and he could just be like you sent them to me like he could just be like it could just make it just spell it out to the audience like you gave him the sentence i was just the executioner you know yeah like <laughs> why did you bring children to fight me and like i don't know that could be like interesting um and like i'm not asking for like more kids to die on screen Uh, (laughs) notes from melvin um but like which to me is not a problem if you're narratively handling it well um there's plenty of movies i could name that that like kind of have that that's fine um what, what's it called uh book of henry comes to mind but um, but uh could black uh, but, adam beat book of book of henry <laughs> <laughs> how much part time does book of henry have could saw be book of henry i don't know <laughs> just a, a stalemate for eternity like that is the joker batman immovable wall versus he's force. facing henry but then henry's mom with a sniper rifle takes him out from, <laughs> from yeah, it's just the doll i actually wanted you to shoot the doll 
I needed a <laughs> tricycle to fall into the lake so that someone would find it. It's just like, so stupid. Uh, Do you know Jigsaw, like, Tobin's coming back for, for Saw 10? Ah, good. I hope he's alive. I hope they or kill just like him a for twin. Like a third time. <laughs> he's just got to be like a twin or something. He like, should be, he should be, um, like, Mr. Bloodstone in Werewolf by Night is just like a half puppet thing that like they crank and he talks. Yeah, like it's so funny. Like you, you just be the bad guy in one of these movies. It doesn't matter. You don't even need a costume. Just be interesting and people like you. Like Tobin Bell doesn't really do anything. Like he just it's the voice. There. He's got the voice. He does have the voice for it. You're right. You're right. And he's he's like perpetually like 80, even though he's probably been like 50. For like <laughs> I don't know. Did you see that picture years. of him with the backwards baseball cap? And <laughs> <laughs> now he's younger. <laughs> but all that to say is like Black Adam has like interesting stuff. But at this point now, we're kind of just like, uh, I don't know. It's just well, we've like, seen it all, right? Right. And that's why I think Darren Mooney was like, at least Morbius got us some memes and like at least gives us something to do in spite of itself. But like <laughs> Black Adam exists as like a like almost for him, he interpreted it as like almost like a an earnest parody where it's hoping that you like what it's doing, but you're just like, Man, I'm so sick of this. Like I've had this meal so much. And now you finally got it right. But guess what? Like, I've had 12 other people make this for me. I don't need it anymore. Yeah, it's and like a chain restaurant. It's like an Applebee's or Chili's. Yeah, it's like, not I bad. don't need another one. You know, it's just, but you know. Hey, hey, hey. We have some Patreon goals we're trying to reach. If we get enough support, we'll review each God's Not Dead movie, as well as The Inhumans, that really bad Marvel show from a couple years ago. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and share your support. I don't know. And like, I, I find myself agreeing with him. Not that it's worse than Morbius, but the, the other stuff aesthetically, I, Morbius is worse than this. Like in terms of quality, like more, <laughs> Morbius blows please, my mind. Please don't take up. Please don't take that away from this episode of like, like oh, you know, Morbius is actually. <laughs> no, that, you know. that it was that that was like, I mean, what what was going on? <laughs> that there? was like, miserable. Like. Black Adam, like I know, it, like depending on where, you, like if someone's just to pause and randomly skip through the episode and listen to random bits. Black Adam does not have a scene where someone's arm gets ripped off. There's no blood, but there's the blood sound effect. Like <laughs> that happens in Morbius, where it's like the and it's yeah, like this movie does no with, like it's discolored, you know, and so it's not like a red. So it doesn't look like you know people aren't covered in blood. Um, but yeah, like depending on where you random bits from this episode it sounds very positive very negative but this is a very mixed like c c minus c movie you know like it's very standard it's very boilerplate it's a movie rental quality it's a it's a yeah if you could yeah it's a very definitely a rental if we were still going by those types of metrics you know it's uh um like there's a couple elements here that definitely make it stand out and i namely some of the characters like again black adam dr fate hawkman like those characters and this is also the first one of these DCU movies where it feels like a connected universe project because you have Amanda Waller, you have Jennifer Holland. Exactly. Yes. You have the yeah. big uh, cameo at the end. Like, so it does feel like the machine's awakening. It's starting to get up and running. There's some gears turning here, yeah. you know? Um, so if, if for the faithful, this is a success because the franchise is alive. Um, things are moving forward, going like going in a positive direction. Um, the rock has become something of a minor hero among the DC fandom because he's the guy like uh, regardless of how much credit you think he does or does not deserve. He's the guy that brought back Cavill. He's the guy that gave him a big hit movie in black Adam, which, you know, not like a billion dollar hit, but it's, it is making money. Um, he's, he's listed as an officially an advisor to the DC universe. So like currently your team is alongside James Gunn. I love the idea they have a boardroom meeting and this the Rock is there with James Gunn. Yeah, because James going, is so tiny. Black Adam killed the Joker too. You know, like you know, just like cool. trying to make sure Black Adam gets all the cool one liners and gets all the cool kills. Um, so like, yeah, in that regard, not a home run, but he got on base, and so I can see why for some people they really really like this movie. But like, I can also see why this movie's getting the same level of reviews as every Rock action movie. Look up yes. Rampage. Look up uh, what's it called Skyscraper. Mm. Look at the reviews for I don't know, like um, Jumanji Two. Like this is getting pretty standard rock numbers, you know. And that's and he he's upfront about that. He makes crowd pleasing blockbusters. 
He's not Dave Batista, who is specifically trying to work with every big name director he can find. <laughs> and really good, by the way. He's a good performer. He Dave is. Batista. And like the dude has worked, he dude has been directed by Werner Herzog, Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. You know, like he he he's in the new Knives Out movie. Like Dave Batista is very particular. And now he's working with Shyamalan. Cool. Yes, he's, he's in my Shyamalan <laughs> movie. Um, he's of course worked with James Gunn. John Cena is like the surprising, most surprisingly decent actor I've seen in a long time. He's really great at Peacemaker. So he's trying to be kind of like the middle. Like he's not picking art projects, but he also does want to be a big star. The Rock wants to be a big movie star. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's good at it. He's charismatic. He's really likable. He elevates most projects he's in just by proxy of being The Rock in them. And so, yeah, like Black Adam, it's going to it's it's a rock movie. It's it's like all his other ones. It's not going to be a critical darling. There's no conspiracy here. Um, it's entertaining. It's likable. Like I didn't dislike seeing the movie. I had a fun time in the theater. Um, man, oh, man, watching the rock just viciously like destroy dudes is pretty neat. But, you know, it's unfortunately it's one of those things where even though there's some interesting stuff here, when you look under the hood, there's not not much going on. And it's kind of disappointing and it stands out more to me just because those initial elements are present. You know, they do have moments of pretty solid satire early on. There is some interesting stuff thematically here, but it's none of it's followed up on. And by the end, it just becomes another superhero movie where a evil force is going to destroy the world um, (laughs) with the powers of hell in this case. And a superhero who maybe is a reluctant hero has to step up and fight the bad guy and that is kind of disappointing now because i think this is roughly the 150th time i've seen that in a superhero film did you uh did you cheer though when the cool visual of a space laser happened in black adam i just yeah whatever weren't you just so happy that that happened again i cheered in furious seven when the rock does a rock bottom on jason statham through a glass table Like, I love that when wrestlers do their moves in movies because most wrestling, like, signature moves are so impractical in, like, a real fight. Yeah. So that's what's cool about something like Shawn Michaels. His signature move was a a kick to the head. Like, you could do that in a real fight. um, But Stone Cold is never going to hit a stunner in a guy in a fight, you know? But anything uh, in conclusion (laughs) for Black Adam? Anything that's like, uh, I don't know, anything we've missed? I'm trying to think. Uh, It gets a passing grade, but it's like a C minus. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. It's a it's a eh, but you know it's not terrible. It's not the worst movie I've seen. It's yeah. way better than Morbius. Uh, it's if you edited this movie down, I think that'd actually improve it. Just because if if you had more bang for your buck, like consistently, it could be a solid ninety minute action movie. That's interesting. Like there's a lot of novelty here. The fact that your hero in the movie is ripping guys' arms off and purposely killing them and we didn't mention this really but it's a running joke that the characters keep trying to convince him not to kill people oh yeah (laughs) just keeps doing it and And finding new ways to get around it like i knew i could drop them because i knew you'd pick them back up so like yeah whatever like that's pretty funny actually funny too um it it gets a little old by the end but it's it's pretty it gets got a few genuine kind of chuckles out of me um so it is it there is some there's some novelty here that makes it a little better think, than like yeah if it was just tighter then yes. that novelty would be a lot more enjoyable more, you get because, way more mileage out of it yeah you know? your jokes wouldn't be like one every 12 14 minutes it would be like one every six or seven like the jokes become the kills in a horror movie where it's like one every eight so like uh yeah it's um eh, i i wouldn't mind if like hbo max turned into the dc r-rated platform where like every r-rated cut of these movies comes out on there so like you got batman versus superman uh justice league um i mean suicide squad is just r-rated but like uh yeah like if if like a black adam r-rated cut version comes out that'd be interesting because if you're saying that they had to cut it down to be that and maybe do some edits that means it's out there like it exists it's not like they were making it and then pivoted. yeah it, so yeah it could be interesting to see maybe like what would that be would there be more jokes would it be more like exciting like because some of the jokes again are the violence like the the um the way he just obliterates people or things it's like that's funny Ooh, you, so you know it'd be a fun movie what if the second one is just amanda waller sends the suicide squad to try and assassinate black adam yeah the, instead of doing bad superman because that's like just tired like you could just have a villain who is bad superman like that'd be <laughs> more interesting well it's like because so. you also could get like like a there's genuine tension because man he could kill all of them for all we know because these are like d-list heroes who cares yeah and yeah, you yeah. can get some fun stuff depending on what their particular power sets are he could find creative ways to kill the characters you know 
uh, what's that? Like there's that, there's those characters that use yo-yos. And so you could like wrap a yo-yo around someone and like fling them in the sun or something. Or like you know? grab them by their intestines and throw oh, them down geez. and then pull them back up <laughs> uh, in the intestine. You're right. This is fun. And then as know? they're coming back yeah. up, he punches through their face. Yeah. Uh, just like silly stuff like that. Yeah, it could I, be like R-rated Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah, you have it all there. We're like, you can do fun stuff. And like, but. It, it turns out again because Amanda Waller. It turns out there she has some other motive there. And then a handful of the Suicide Squad characters, um, you know, like whatever Harley Quinn or whatever. And I think they could like Black Adam is also a great straight man for comedy. So you could do a thing where like Harley is annoying, but he finds her endearing, and then they actually like stop whatever Amanda Waller's actual plan is. Um, I would like that if she be- that became her thing, where she's the one Suicide Squad member who keeps surviving all these movies for no reason. Yeah, she's about to like pun- get punched, and she's like, "Wait, I have something to tell you." <laughs> it's like, like, "What? Hold on!" Like, she puts what? like lipstick on and goes, "Okay, I'm ready." <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, something you know. stupid. Yeah, and that gives her enough time to get out or something. So yeah, yeah I, I, James Gunn, you know. <laughs> give, give me a call. Yeah. I got some ideas. If, if that yo-yo uh, <laughs> intestine kill happens, <laughs> I swear, Mister Gunn, yeah. I'm gonna freak out. <laughs> I'm gonna be so gonna lose it um yeah all right well good movie it was pretty enjoyable it's not bad it's not good it, it's, not like, bad it's like it's like yeah it's like it's a it's, it's like black adam moments. when you think about it right yeah it's sort of a it's not it's not a killjoy all the time but it's it's not quite killer it's not quite killjoy i don't know it's yeah, I've seen worse movies this year. Um, <laughs> me too. Me too. It's I'm not gonna not about to pull Halloween ends from like uh, maybe if I just rewatch the entire DC universe and then check this one out again. I can start with the 1940s Batman serials <laughs> and move forward. Yeah, then I'll take some notes and then I'll rewatch it again in the same day just because I missed it. So yeah, I'm not gonna do watch that, it in but. 3D, watch it in Dolby, watch it in standard. Like. Yeah, watch it with teens talking the whole time. Watch it without teens talking the whole time um yeah i it's fine rent it definitely rent it you don't have to go out and see it if you got a list go see it because then you get to see it on the big screen it's definitely fun in there like, yeah <laughs> i mean i feel it's like fun. it's kind of standard for most movies but if you can see this for free it's yeah worth A-list. It. at that point it is free with a list but yeah so hey don't forget there's a lot of fun content missing from this episode because you're not listening on patreon Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support for $3 a month to gain access to uncut episodes with upwards of 40 minutes of bonus content each. You'll thank me later. Uh, I guess recommendations. I didn't really prep for one um, because I was expecting to do this on Monday, recording on Monday, but here we are on Saturdays. So um, what do you got? What do you you have? So I have more time to decide. Uh, I will just say Henry Selick's new film, stop motion film. Uh, Wendell and Wild is up on Netflix. He, of course, is director on Coraline, Nightmare for Christmas and all that stuff. He's the guy who actually makes Nightmare for Christmas, the movie that it is. It also is a produced by Jordan Peele and features uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele as the lead voices. It's a beautiful stop motion. It's a cool little movie and it's free. It's on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, you don't pay a dime to see it outside of your subscription. So the return of Henry Selleck working with Jordan Peele. Uh, what else do you need? It's on Netflix. A couple months ago, Sundance happened, you know, January. <laughs> and then after that, a couple movies wound up getting kind of like released into the public space and to some theaters. And I caught Emily the Criminal in theaters before it phased out. There were a couple of others I was going to catch like Breakout, uh, or not bre- Breaking, um, with John Boyega. Um, I did get tickets for that, but I missed it. Um, but uh, Emily the Criminal was pretty good. It's kind of been a mid movie. The premise is that Emily is a criminal. Really, it's that they're trying to figure out who they want to be. They're kind of just like, I wrote in my review, like what I enjoyed about this movie is that Emily as a character is just really bad at like everything. And it's in like a way that's not like comical. The movie almost is kind of documentarian. Like it's just sort of watching up character's life as they get involved in like credit card scams and, and frauds, but not in like the phone more like they will go into stores and buy things with cards that were stolen and then move on to do new cards and stuff like that. But they're just so bad at it that like, it's kind of interesting, but also they're interacting with people that are very normal in that they're all very bad at like dealing with it. Cause it's like, you don't prepare to have your credit card stolen. And like, I think for some people that's why the movie's kind of mid because it's so, plain but like for me i actually quite liked it and the more i've thought about it the more i've enjoyed it 
um, like thinking about it. The film is shot so claustrophobically close to people's faces. Like you thought the Safdie brothers movies were close. This is like, it, it, it is almost like I described it in my letterbox review. Like the cameraman was told to stand really far back, but then zoom the camera in really close because the way the camera kind of moves is so like natural hand movements as opposed to like, cause like when you hold, when you do that, the camera kind of moves a lot because it's picking up how your hands are just kind of shaking naturally and stuff. And so um, to me, like that just kind of makes it a really focused, simultaneous, distant portrait of a character as they kind of just suck at life. And like in that way, like it's really like sympathetic to the character and it just becomes like a really interesting character study of someone who's just bad at it. Uh, if you like shades, that guy, I forget his name, but he is in it. Theo Rossi. Rossi. Yes. He's actually in a couple movies this year, this one and in another, another one called, um, uh, enter the, it's like, uh, in the maze or something. It's, oh, on, it's Peacock. on Peacock. Yeah. Yeah. I, the premise is so intriguing. I looked it up. Apparently, I everyone started doesn't it. like it. <laughs> I started it, and I once I saw he was in it, I was like, oh, "I'm not watching this on my phone. I'll watch this at home." But I feel like, yeah, I think I heard it's kind of mid. But... I, I watch Shades in the big screen only. <laughs> yeah, he's just a good performer. He's, I think he's really good, and he's good in Emily the Criminal. Um, but it's a very humanizing story about people doing bad things that I really quite enjoyed. And like I said, like if you can suffer through the fact that you'll be like what are you doing Emily you suck <laughs> like step back like you would suck at this too like you would feel awkward because you knew it's wrong but you don't know what else to do and so you do it anyway it's, it's it's good I definitely recommend it um and oh yeah and the lead character is Aubrey Plaza so like if you like Aubrey Plaza being more of a person like as opposed to some of the other movies where she's more like heightened or uh comedic like this is I think a good one to check out. I'll have a just watch link in the recommendations so you know where to rent it for cheap. And uh, yeah, Emily the Criminal. I, I frankly wouldn't mind talking about it on the podcast to some degree, but it's also maybe not worth a full episode. I'm not sure, but it's it's a it's one that stuck with me this year, and I think it's pretty pretty good. So, and it's not a horror movie because it's not October anymore. Maybe I'll recommend horror again later. But anyways, Dan, do you have anything else or or are nope. we? nope okay so we're done no no commentary for you um thanks for listening to this episode bye thanks so much for checking out this episode of cinematic doctrine if you enjoyed this episode consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast and as mentioned before cinematic doctrine has a patreon for as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.